The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. With so many people living longer, the fear of outliving your money becomes a reality for many of us. Will I be a financial burden? Will I outlive my money? How will I be remembered? My name is Neil Himmelstein, president of Main Street Planning Group. Please contact me by visiting MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. That's MainStreetPlanningGroup.com or call 631-647-4694. I will introduce you to strategies that will guarantee you will not outlive your money, that can guarantee you will not be a burden on your loved ones. Through a collaborative approach, we will uncover solutions that offer tax-efficient strategies, lifetime income, and legacy planning. Choice, organization, direction, and education. That is the code we stand behind. Contact MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. That's MainStreetPlanningGroup.com or call 631-647-4694. And listen to me every Friday at 3 p.m. as I host the Main Street Code for Financial Success right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. afternoon. Welcome to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. I'm your host, Neil Himmelstein. I'm here every Friday at three. If you miss a show, I'm on Apple, I'm on Spotify. Uh, you could check out my website, themainstreetcode.com. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, 631-647-4694. We help hundreds of agents, uh, insurance agents, attorneys, CPAs with insurance advice and putting together uh, a vital piece of your financial plan. The actual structure of your financial plan uh, starts with making sure you're protected and your loved ones are protected. Uh, today, I'd really like to focus on something. I gave a lecture in front of a bunch of CPAs and attorneys recently, and it went over very well. And I want to go into it a little bit, uh, because just to give you a little something to think about. And I asked everyone in the room, uh, how many of you own your own business? And about half the room raised their hand because they're attorneys or accountants and they have their own firms. Then I asked them, well, how many of you in this room own a book of business? Like have your own book of clients, have your own books of, 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 of whatever. Well, essentially, you, they own their own business. If you have your own book of clients. You're an insurance agent. You have a book of clients. Well, you really own your own business. You have an attorney. Now, if you're a plumber or, or, or a construction worker or any other number of things, or you fix computers, you essentially, even if you're working for a firm, if you have your own book of clients, you have your own business. Now, this is why I asked that question. The first question is, that I asked them all after I asked them that is does your business have a will people go what do you mean does my business have a will well what is a business will you know it may be referred to as a buy sell agreement or something else but every business must have a will or a succession plan moving on later and it has to account for the what is could happen. So, if you have a business, maybe you have a partner, maybe it's just you. Even if you have your own business and you want to, you know, and you think that you're going to sell it one day, 
you know, or you have a book of business that you're going to sell because you have a bunch of clients that some other person in your field wants to buy, or you're even a plumber and have, you know, regular 50 people that you do plumbing for, you have a valuable asset there. And what if you can't work? But here's this valuable asset that you may want to sell, you may want to pass on to your children, one child may want the business and the other children aren't involved in the business, but that business has value, it has ongoing salary, it has ongoing income, which you can call it salary or income. So you have a business, so you need to put together a will. Now, what if you have partners? Well, here's where it gets really, I'm not gonna say tricky, but it gets more involved. Because what most people don't realize, especially when you're starting a business or in your first five years of the business, you're all about getting the sales and getting a business going and growth and growth and growth. And you have this partner, he could be a friend from college or an associate or just somebody that you've been doing the same thing together and you decide you're coming to business. And here's the, here's the opportunity for you to have a discussion which you have to have. If you don't have your attorney or your accountant or financial planner having this discussion with you, you need to have this discussion. Because what happens if your partner can't show up for work the next day? What happens? Okay, what happens if your partner passes away? Let's go through a couple scenarios. What happens is if your partner passes away, his interest in the business goes to his beneficiary, whether it's his spouse or his children or his brother or his mother. What does that mean? So his interest, if you don't have a will, you now have a new partner that could have known nothing about your business and they now own half of your business. So you may get along with your partner's spouse or your partner's children, but they may not have the know-how or the ability to run half the business, yet they now own half the business and are expecting half the income from that business. Or you can pre-negotiate a buyout if such an event occurs. And that's what a buy-sell agreement essentially does. It pre-negotiates I'm going to give you the value of the business if something happens to you or your partner. Your share of the business, I'm going to give your benefits, your share of the business, so I don't have to deal with that. And the way that's typically done is through a life insurance contract. Typically, you will buy a life insurance contract that will replace the value of that business for pennies on the dollar today. So your business may be worth a million dollars. Are you prepared to pay your partner's spouse a half a million dollars if, the, if your partner dies to get her out of the business? Are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to cut that check? Most businesses are not. That's why they have buy-sell agreements and they fund it with life insurance. That's the essential part of does your business have a will? The next step is, is there an agreement to happen what if? Now, what are the what ifs? So that's one what if. 
The second what if is, what if my partner's away or I'm away and I'm on a ski trip and I have an incident and I can't come back to work for six months? Well, that's called being on disability. Now, here's the problem. You still have to run that business. Income still has to come into that business. And that person, your partner and their spouse, even though maybe they can't work or you can't work, still need that income to pay your bills. So that's why we talk about having some sort of disability program, like a buy-sell disability program. If one of you becomes disabled, the business can continue on and the money can keep flowing in and pay for that expense. In its very nature, that's what's setting up a will and, and or a buy-sell plan together do. So I ask you again, does your business have a will? Is there a program? Now, yesterday, uh, one of the other considerations is, is how much is your business worth? Now, when you're starting out, your business is probably not worth a whole heck of a lot. But as you grow in your business, all of a sudden there's a value there. And when people are doing estate planning with attorneys and this and that, and when they're taking out a life insurance application, this happened to me yesterday, I go, what is your net worth? And they gave me their net worth. It's funny how they didn't include their business in their net worth. And most people don't. They don't realize, oh, this is a big asset. Well, you think about it, that asset has to be protected. Even if you're self-employed, that asset has to be protected. So here's why. So let's say I have a plumbing business and I brought it up to a million dollars or, you know, um, and it's got financial assets and I have a truck and I have this and I have a son who's going to take over that business. But I have two other sons that are off doing computers or something else. Well, if I just hand that my son that business, the other two children are going to be very upset with the value of that business. So I need to take out an insurance contract that will compensate the other two people who would automatically be partners in my business who want nothing to do with my business. And that's the basics of a buy-sell agreement. And again, I ask you, does your business have a will? When we get back, we're going on commercial in a minute, we're going to talk about some of the structures of this. You're listening to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. I'm Neil Himmelstein. I can be reached at 631-647-4694 or check me out at themainstreetcode.com. Send me an email. Give me a call if you have any questions or concerns or if this appeals to you, please give me a call. Thank you and we're going to be right back. Welcome back to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. I'm your host, Neil Himmelstein. And before the break, we were asking you a question. Does your business have a will? You, your husband, your, your wife, do they have a small business or a big business? And they haven't considered this and you haven't had that conversation. We'd love to have that conversation with you because most businesses don't necessarily have a will. Now, when we talk about a will, we're talking about some sort of business succession plan that covers some of the what ifs and also accounting for that value of the business. And this is a big issue because while your business is growing, 
it may be worth X. Well, all of a sudden, five years later, it's worth X plus Y. Then it's X plus Y plus Z, and it, all of a sudden it's growing, and you've never updated your plan. So a lot of businesses, and this has really come into fire, there's been some court cases that are going on right now where the business has grown, and there's insurance involved, and all of a sudden there's taxes. It gets very complicated very quick if you don't keep up with the value of the business. Because let's say, for instance, you feel the business is worth a half a million dollars and you have a partner, and your partner passes away, but five years from now your business is worth $5 million, well, your partner's spouse is going to, or beneficiary, is going to be looking for 50% of that value. And if you don't have a check for that value, you have a working partner. And unless you can buy that working partner out, or there's some agreement in place, that's not going to happen. So now I want to talk about some of the structures of a business plan. So these structures are ma mainly insurance structures and how they play into what we call a buy-sell agreement. Okay, the most common buy-sell agreement is what they call a cross-purchase agreement. And here's how a cross-purchase agreement works. It's part of the buy-sell inside your business will. It'll say that I'm going to buy an insurance policy on my partner, uh, and he's going to buy one on me, cross-purchase. I'm going to buy one on him, he's going to buy one on me. Now, we have to come to an agreement on what that business is worth. So let's say we say, me and my partner, and we're just talking two people now, it could be three people, five people, 50 people, okay? Uh, not common to have 50 partners, but typically it's one owner, it's two partners, sometimes three partners, sometimes five partners, okay? Typically it doesn't get any more as far as major partnership agreements, okay? So I want to do a, what they call cross-purchase. I'm going to buy a policy on him. He's going to be a policy on me. Okay, that's all well and good. Okay, but what if my partner stops paying the premium payments on my policy? What if I stop paying the premium on his policy? That, that could be a problem. Uh, also, what if my partner is sick or has some health impairments? Or what if my partner is 20 years younger than I am? Um, he's going to be paying a lot more for my insurance than I am for his. So cross-purchase could create some problems. Typically, most buy-sell agreements I've seen in the last 30 years, a lot of them are, are what they call cross-purchase agreements. Now, typically, uh, most people will buy, let's say, a term insurance plan, and they'll set the dollar amount. The problem is, let's say we each buy a half a million dollars on one another, Okay, and five years from now, you know, business is going good, and now our business is worth a lot more money. Okay, but we haven't updated those policies or bought new ones. So the value isn't there. So that, that becomes a problem. So there's some different, different issues there. Then uh, here's another thing with cross-purchase. If you have more than two owners, let's say you have five owners, well, now you have to buy five times five, you know, like 25 policies. 
because each person is going to have to get another policy on the other partners. So all of a sudden, you got all these policies. That becomes very convoluted and very difficult to manage and very difficult to control. So a lot of there's there's other ways of doing it. You can do what they call an endorsement, but I want to talk about the basics, okay? And hopefully you'll call me and we can go through what's the best scenario for you. Then they have something called an entity purchase agreement. Let's say owner A and owner B, you have two owners. They have the business by the insurance. Now, a lot of people think that that's a tax deductible expense. It is not to the company. It is not tax deductible. A very small portion of the death benefit is tax deductible, pennies to what to insure it correctly. So we have the entity purchase it. There's a lot of reasons I like this philosophy better. It takes care of a lot of the disparity between, let's say, ages and health and all that and, and, and that and control. And we come to an agreement on a price and, and you know, the family members are the beneficiaries of the policies or the entity could be a beneficiary of the policy. And it's very important when you set up these buy-sell agreements who the owners and who the beneficiaries are. In the entity purchase, a lot of times the entity will get the benefits of life insurance tax-free. Then they will buy out the shares of the other partners. Uh, that's also a tax-free exchange. Um, because they're buying and exchanging the property of the policy for the ownership. So there's no taxes there, but there's a lot of considerations there when you're setting up that in an entity purchase agreement. Also, as you have multiple owners, that can become very convoluted as well uh, on percentages and different things. So these are the basic type agreements and then some of the other agreements that we've been working on um, are what they call a insurance LLC, which is a new type of agreement, which is like an entity agreement, but we set up a separate corporation to own the policies. We've done this with multiple owners, and I've done it uh, and made the corporation the beneficiary, and what we can do is change the percentages, owners are coming in and going out, that could be a consideration. Again, you have to have an, an attorney who knows what they're doing with an insurance professional like myself, which there's very few of that, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying, I don't want to be boasting, but you really want to have the technical knowledge to do this correctly. Now, I'm going to talk about some scenarios of some businesses I've worked with this year and last year that are horror stories because I've walked into situations. Uh, one was yesterday. I walked into a business situation and basically we were doing some protection for the family protection for, for long-term care and life insurance for, for this business owner and, and his wife. And we did that. And he has a very successful business. And he does not have a buy-sell agreement. He does not have a will for his business and his his partner is going through a divorce he's much younger than him and he's going through a major divorce and he's freaking out because she's going to be going after the business assets 
They got this nice, thriving business, and this guy is freaking out because they have no agreement in place. Now, I wasn't there for that reason. And unfortunately, I was there to take care of his family. And he's another guy who didn't consider the value of his business, which is quite considerable as part of his estate that he has to protect. So that came out of discussion. But they don't even have an agreement in place. And he's worried. And he has right to be worried. He has a lot of right to be worried. Uh, is this guy going to be functioning uh, after, if he goes through a brutal divorce and all that? So it's a big concern. I had another business uh, last year that I worked on uh, for quite a bit, and I walked into a situation where an accountant brought me in, and each owner had a term insurance on one another, and they're now 60, and their business is worth a lot. Their term insurance was coming to an end, and they couldn't convert it to anything popular, and now they're not healthy enough to get new insurance. So they did not follow through on a year-by-year basis on what to do. Anyhow, lots of things to talk about. You're listening to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. Give me a call with any questions, comments, or if you'd like to see me, 631-647-4694. Let me help you have the financial success you deserve. Thank you. Have a great weekend. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.